the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial sitting in for CFP Chad Burton's new focus on wealth. My job is to sit in for him from time to time and kind of bring some of the same ideas that he has, but maybe a little bit before the fact. I'm a wealth creator. He's a wealth preserver. Eh, It's a little too simple to say it like that, but you get the idea. One of the things I'm going to do this hour is try to show you some areas that I think the market should be paying attention to. Markets are tied, obviously, to you and your wealth, probably through your 401k or your 403b, which I consider to be the two best vehicles for saving for retirement for the average American. I don't, oddly enough, consider Robin Hood just barely missed that cut, right? Or am I being silly? You get the idea. Everything's about to get more expensive is a headline that I saw yesterday. And I'll give you one small play on that. I was recently at a restaurant that they had a sign out front, not out front by the cashier that said, sorry, but we've had to temporarily raise prices on all items on the menu by 10% due to the pandemic. Thank you for understanding. That's pretty big inflation on a year over year level. If it sticks, if it doesn't stick, I don't know. But that suddenly turns a $20 half pound brisket into a $22 half pound brisket. And 20 was already like stretching it for some people. I'm not being judgy. I'm not being cheap. 10% food inflation is a lot on a one year basis. It's something we can't keep up with. About two in the morning this morning, a couple hours ago, I was reading how Australia is having problems with, not problems, they don't have, they're letting more female cows die, which means their herd for the future will be a lot thinner, which says supply will be down. I've already seen food prices go higher myself. I'm now seeing an analyst telling me everything's going to get more expensive and I'm seeing Australia undercount or underutilize their females. I think in the whole world of cattle and how many you send to the the meat factory, if you send 47% of them are male, that's like, ooh, prices are going to be lower. But if you send 44% they're going to be male, that's just, they're all going to, they're not going to all die. (laughs) Well, they're all going to die. I think that's right to say, but in this case, they wouldn't be making as many babies because they're dead. I know, I know it's dark and absurd, but... That's a demand issue or is it a supply issue? That's a supply issue. We're going to have too short of supply. So expect meat prices to go higher. Now, again, Australia probably is supplying the meat into Asia. So not necessarily our problem, or is it? 
Well, maybe it will be because Asia might start getting some of our meat products. And again, it's all about inflation. The U.S. economy is headed for a rebound, but it makes everything more expensive in America. Is that the kind of rebound that you want? Let me give you some more thoughts on that. Experts are growing increasingly hopeful the U.S. economy recovers. That's a good thing, right? We've got $2 trillion of stimulus getting ready to be approved right now, $1.9 trillion, But what's another $100 billion between you and me? There was a stimulus package in December. There was a stimulus package last year. This is our fourth big round of stimulus. And down the road, Biden's going to want to get to, quote unquote, his agenda and not necessarily the pandemic stimulus agenda. So a lot of people are concerned that inflation's going to rear its head. History indicates that the United States will not see an overheated economy even after Biden's massive stimulus. But we're, we're counting on some to moderate inflation. If pent-up demand emerges, prices could rise above their pre-pandemic levels, though. This may not be friendly news for you or me, because ultimately, if that brisket costs 10% more, that's that meat sandwich, that means I've got 10% less in my pocket to say, I want to go on vacation, or I want to put into retirement, or maybe I should pay down some credit card bill. It's like gasoline in the industry. One of the things I talk about with gasoline prices is it, it acts like a tax on Americans. We, and again, pre-pandemic, pandemic, post-pandemic, we have to get from point A to point B. I'm doing a lot less driving. Thus, I'm doing a lot less gas consumption. But when the day comes, I expect it to be back to normal. And that that won't be pent up. It'll be just getting back to normal, right? But if gas is at $3 a gallon because no one's driving in California, and then it goes back up to $4 and a quarter because everyone's back post-pandemic driving, I'm still only going from point A to point B. It's not magically getting better or faster. Well, I don't know about that. But the essentials, like a home, we see inflating in price 10% year over year. Food, we've, uh, let me explain that. I forget that I'm not doing my show, I'm doing Chad's show. The Case Shiller Real Estate Report that came out in uh, late February painted the picture of a 10% year over year gain in home prices. Now, most of Americans, not most, but a large chunk of Americans took pay cuts. Don't get Gavin Newsom started on pay cuts in California. Um, voluntarily took pay cuts because of state deficits. A lot of a lot of Americans took pay cuts. Sometimes it was their boss saying, sorry, I got to cut your hours. Sometimes it was, I got to cut your salary. Next year, a lot of bosses are going to say, well, since you're working from home, we typically would pay you X, but now we're going to pay you X minus 10% because you don't have to commute. commute. And you're like, I'll commute, I'll commute. And then you're spending 10% on gasoline prices, right? So I'm expecting some inflation, and that's why the 10-year Treasury has started. That's not why it's starting to move, but it's starting to move. And that's been the story of 2021, in my opinion. We're having a great start of the year, January and February. But to me, the problem is, is that 10-year Treasury said, okay, last year was easier because the cost of money was 
was 1% lower than it is today. And every 1% higher, half percent higher, it's going to be tougher and tougher because the past will make it look easier with a low cost of money on, you can stretch valuations when there's low cost of money. You can kind of say, I get it. But it tightens back up when there's competitive alternatives to stock returns. Someone asked me, what do I think the Dow Jones Industrial Average will be in 15 years? And I said, 100,000. I was like, Karnak. It, it just blew the person away. And I said, that's just it doing it what it historically does. It goes up 8% a year, historically, in good economies, bad economies. It averages it out. It blends it out. Do I expect it to be at 100,000 in 15 years? I do. Would I be disappointed if it was not? I would. What could slow it down in the short term? Inflation and higher interest rates. So start thinking about that sign you see at the gas station or at your restaurant that says food is 10% higher. If you're buying food at gas stations, you're in trouble. If you start seeing gas prices creep up, start looking for signs of inflation because Wall Street is pretty anal about it, in my opinion. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at C-H-A-D, Chad Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N.com. It's chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton. One of the more interesting things I saw yesterday as far as stories that make your head go, ooh, was Petaluma, California. Say hello to the chickens. Every time I drive by Petaluma, I say hello to the chickens because there's a big chicken farm there. Um, Which doesn't smell good. But Petaluma, California, one of the, I guess you'd call it maybe 10 to 15 miles north of San Francisco. Yesterday, their city council moved, streamlined the process for building EV charging stations. California wants to be electric vehicle only in car sales in 2035, essentially. Um, that's a governor, Gavin Newsom, uh, mandate. Sometimes I get a little bit iffy on the details that I'm giving from, is it legislature or is it not? But Petaluma wants to be carbon neutral by 2030 couple things on that you're hearing more and more companies where apple says you know we want our green we want to be carbon neutral but the truth of it is is that's not going to happen it's going to require dirty in the planet to make their phones and make their computers it's going to imply you know mining and fracking and smog and chemicals and people going to work and people coming back from work but they want to offset that by setting up power and wind uh, turbines, but the pollution's still going to be there. And as the world economy advances and as we make more and more babies on this planet, pollution's still going to be a problem. It's just how do we offset it financially? And is offsetting it financially the correct way of approaching carbon neutral? I don't think so. 
It's a little bit of a tricky thing. Uh, it's not what it appears to be. So Petaluma is going to make it easier to get electric vehicle stations streamlined and approved. But they're also going to ban gasoline pumps. No more. They're, they're not going to make, allowing any more permits to build any more gasoline stations. They'll allow permits to, to build electric vehicle charging stations. And please, let's try to get, keep the charges down to like two or three different types. Tesla's going to have their own little way of doing it. Some car companies will have their own little way of doing it. But uh, it turns out that, and again, just this, is just this should be common knowledge. Charging a car is very similar to charging a phone. You should only go up to about 80, 85% and stop of its capacity, unless you're going to be going for a long drive. Just saves the battery life a little bit better. So I thought that was an interesting story yesterday. Another thing that I came across um, while doing research yesterday was Kathy Wood. And I talked a lot about Kathy Wood and how she is, I'm, I'm just going to say this in a funny kind of way, she is full on, party on, hardcore into the big winners on Wall Street. So she has a tech ETF and its top holdings account for 45% of the fund. So it's very concentrated. But every stock that she has in there is a winner. Tesla, Roku, Teladoc, Square, CRISPR Therapeutics, Invitae, Proto Labs, Baidu, Zillow, and Spotify. And every one of those, you were like, man, I wish I would have done that one. Not telling you to do that. What I'm telling you to do is you can start some research and ask yourself, why does she like this? It may help you. It may not. The U.S. economy is in a very nice position right now to recover. Vaccines and massive stimulus signal a light at the end of the pandemic tunnel. Antitrust proceedings against big tech could create some, a lot more jobs, while remote work is threatening the so-called superstar cities. Trends are super important to study on Wall Street, whether it's one of the trends that I've been following recently tied towards digitization of where could other areas be disrupted to that whole Moderna and Pfizer vaccine was a new way of coming up with antibodies for your body. mRNA, I don't know enough about the science to give it any more thought, but I've known enough about that science that they're going to try to apply what they did with vaccines into other areas of our life like Alzheimer's disease and cancer. And that's a good thing. So we have positives out there like vaccines and new stimulus. We got antitrust going against the big, the big boys, which should open up more companies. I don't know, maybe create a higher cost for some of this, but uh, there's a lot to think about there. Vaccines are rolling out and picking up speed world that reopens won't be the same one that shut down roughly a year ago. When will the American economy hit normalcy? When will we be able to put 10 million plus Americans back to work? Biden went big on stimulus to get us out of our funk and essentially to supercharge the economy. When the world comes out of lockdown, we don't want to be in last place. 
Following more than $3 trillion of stimulus already, this is going to push us up to almost $5 trillion of stimulus, which is more than what we would have spent on our as an economy in the first place. Regulatory actions announced at the end of the Trump era have the potential to reshape the tech sector over the next two decades. And I still think we're going to have, we're going to have a lot to play with this whole remote work world and how that plays out in real estate. With office workers doing their jobs from home, the era of the super city might have ended. And when I'm talking super city, San Francisco and New York, rents have fallen so dramatically in New York that people are now starting to run back to New York to snatch up low rent prices. What will that give us? Will that give us more of an artist community in New York or will it give us you know, back to the Wall Street bonus community? Gentrification, right? As wages went up and jobs got higher paying, stockbrokers and financial types moved to New York and they basically kicked the artists out slowly but surely with higher taxes. And anytime a house is for sale, instead of it being sold to an artist, it was sold to the banker at 10 to 15, 20, 25% higher. Americans are sitting on, American consumers are sitting on $1.6 trillion of pent up spending. And we've got $5 trillion of spending. It's, this is a good scenario to be a winner on Wall Street. It's maybe not the right way to grow the economy, but it is a way. Next year will be much stronger. People are expecting 2022 to be stronger than normal. I'm Rob Blackston and CFP Chad Burton. You can find me on but you can find Chad at chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black sitting in for CFP, Chad Burton, new focus on wealth. Lyft shares are trading higher after the ride sharing company provided an upbeat business forecast. I'm not really all that stoked on the forecast, nor am I looking at how much money they lost in the quarter. What I'm looking for is that turn in when do average daily rides tack back up? And the answer is now. Average daily rides were up 4% in the February from January. Lyft now sees a first quarter adjusted. And again, that's where I, I kind of want to fade. But the pickup in rides is, is what I want to see to start to go, oh, we do have some economic activity. One of the things that I want to do on this show from time to time when I sit in for chat is kind of get real hardcore big picture. It's what I like to do. Um, where should we be investing in the future? And one area is that you have to look at is all the different tech companies. And I'm going to refer to them as underachievers. And I'm going to refer to them as overachievers and mass market. So I plot data on what I like. When it comes to investments, for instance, I've got a category called luxury. Personally, 
when I talk to you about investing, I want to talk about how Apple has done so well when it became kind of a luxury product. When it kind of became perceived as a handbag or a pair of earrings that you got complimented on or that you were perceived to be attractive because you had. Is there a difference between a Gucci purse and a coach purse? I, the answer is yes. As far as perception goes, as far as how much can it store, the answer is probably they're about the same. So luxury to me, Apple, Peloton, NetJets, um, Sonos, that targets consumers willing to pay a premium for the products and for the privacy and status signaling that comes with the premium pricing, usually they get higher revenue. Apple is the valedictorian of the space. It's been steadily working out of its base of computers into more mobile, into more television, into more voice, into more wearables, into more products. They recently started a fitness app. Will Peloton be able to grow like Apple grew if their core is a rowing machine or their core is a bicycle? Can they add a new category on top of that? What they're doing really well is um, subscriptions. It's hard to justify the price of a Peloton. It's hard to justify, but when you compare it to a gym, you're like, oh, I think I'm getting some value here, if you can work out on one piece of equipment. There's some names in the world that I write in my data columns that you're gonna know. Um, mass market, LinkedIn. Anyone in business seems to have a LinkedIn profile, right? I think so. I don't want to be too assumption, assumptuous there, but Disney is a great mass market kind of company. Mass market depends primarily on user-derived revenue. It serves as a broader consumer base. If you ever go to Disney and you spend $100 to get your kids in, I think that's what a ticket is right now. Never been to Disney. Isn't that odd? Children in China and Japan have flown to America and been to Disney, but the guy who lives in California has never been to Disney. I've driven by it. I know you're saying, that's so sad, Rob. But when you spend $100 on a ticket, then you get inside and you're spending like $5, $10, $15, $20 on a drink. Like if you go to the Star Wars land, you may spend $25 for a blue drink that looks just like the one Han Solo drink. Or a disgusting milky purpley thing, which looks just like the one Luke Skywalker drank from a cow, a space cow, where you're like, I did not know there were space cows. Is there any chance they've got almond milk in space? Now, the space cow milk. Don't ask for something you're not going to get. So I like writing down data. I like putting my data into charts so I can physically see it. So far, like some underachievers. I'd say Twitter, Snap, Pinterest, CNN. CNN should be a much bigger contributor to Time Warner in the world of the digital age than they are. A menace out there that society is starting to see, Facebook. That's a fascinating one, is it not? But menaces aren't 
a bad way to invest. Even though they don't have a lot of innovative ideas coming out of the company, you cannot underestimate the size and influence of um, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. What's up? I shouldn't do it in that voice because you may not know who I am or you may not think I'm Chad Burton. But um, menace companies are companies that we all kind of use begrudgingly because there's no other option or we perceive there's no other option other than to turn it off. So I look for mass market companies. I look for menace companies. I look for luxury companies. I look for underachievers who could be time to buy. Based on, like Time Warner owns CNN, right? Time Warner also owns HBO Max. HBO Max does not get the same love that Disney Plus gets. Disney Plus did not get the same love that Netflix got. And you're starting to see a big swell of people jumping in. Remember earlier in the show, I was talking about electric vehicles, the same thing. Tesla is the big boy. They're the guy who has all the market share. We know where it's going. If California's banning gas stations, we know we're going electric. And as a nation, the other 49 states tend to follow somewhat. Texas is like, not us. They tend to follow California. I remember 25 years ago that plastic bags were free at stores. And then five cents here became 10, 10 became 15, 15 became 25. Some cities have banned them. I have not seen the uh, reflection on how that looks in the oceans, but I don't, again, I'm not that smart of a person. But we know where the matrix is going. And it's interesting that Tesla's actually, out of all the electric vehicle stocks, and there's about 10 of them right now, they're probably the one who's underperforming the most this year as we know where we're going and we're thinking Tesla will be competition. Or is it the Reddit factor where people are looking for anything just close to it? A Nike exec has resigned after her son used her credit card to fund his sneaker business. Oh boy, that's got mess written all over it. Okay, so she's a Nike executive. <clears throat> He's buying Nikes with her credit card that says Nike on it. And then he's reselling them on a, a market that I still don't understand the sneaker market. But I know there's limited pairs. I know there's a style. I get it. I do. But to me, they're still shoes. Why would anyone pay $400 for shoes, $600 for shoes, $3,000 for shoes? I don't get Hopefully when you're 80 years old and you still have those brand new mint condition Air Jordans, you're able to say, hey, anybody want to trade me for this? But I don't know. Shoes just don't. I don't know. I'd rather own parts of companies myself than own shoes in a closet. But then again, I've, I was hard on Sarah Jessica Parker for years and years and years to that show Sex in the City. Convinced young women in their 20s to buy Manola Blahniks, which I just don't understand. Why you would pay over $400 for something that you walk on. Again, again if you got like orthotics and stuff, I get it. Anyhow, and anyway, one of the things that people in my industry do is they publish predictions because they think everyone looks to us and go, you must know more than I do. So typically in the start of the year, the end of a year, 
you get what people write down on what they expect for that year. And sometimes they share them. I enjoy this. Um, I enjoy this angle of the business where it becomes very Nostradamus. And I was reading one person's top 22 predictions. And some of them kind of got me snickering. Digital concerts are 20% of overall concert sales. I saw a digital concert at the end of last year and it was damn good. Now I have a big TV that I was able to stream it into, a big sound system I was able to stream it into. And the band did a really nice job. I think I paid $20 for one ticket. If I had taken my whole family, it would have been between $400 and $1,000. So digital concerts are 20% of overall concert sales. Hmm. And I guess there's an honor system if you're watching it with a group of people or not that I just don't see Americans sticking with. But digital concerts are 20% of overall concert sales. That's, that's, a neat, that's an interesting concept. Um, Grimes, Elon Musk's baby mama, uh, just sold millions of dollars of digital art in a very quick, fast and furious way in minutes and hours, not a lifetime, millions of dollars. Will digital art hold up or will it be turned into the Cabbage Patch Kid or the Beanie Baby going forward? I'm like, okay, okay. Ibuyers represent more than one-fifth of all home sales. I think we're getting there. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. You can find Chad at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, sitting in for CFP Chad Burton's new focus on wealth. You find Chad at chadburton.com. First of the month, the first Friday of the month is the most important day for me, economically speaking. So when we get the jobs report and we're going to look for signs of health after the winter virus wave kind of sent things back bumpy again, where we were improving into the election and then Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of got us reinfected again. And we started to see those jobless claims start piling back up, going in the wrong direction. So we're going to look for the jobs report first Friday of the month. People have jobs. They have paychecks. If they have paychecks, we have an economy that we can support. U.S. vaccine shortage could end with oversupply. That certainly feels like that's going to happen, right? How can we turn a pandemic where give me the shot, make the shot. If you make it, I'll take it. If you make it, I'll take it to wait, wait, no, I get my shot. And we continue to order millions and millions and millions more. Something tells me we're going to have a lot of that vaccination sitting on shelves, which might be good uh, as a way of continuing to vaccinate people over time. But it could also be very costly. Anything that you ever want to talk about, we can talk about. Interesting little things that I see that might help you understand that why I'm bullish on the economy. Capital One is raising credit limits for customers. 
very, very frustrating in 2000, 2002, 2008 to 2010 when our economies were struggling. Uh, you saw credit card companies tell small business owners, well, we know you have a great relationship with us, but we're going to cut your $50,000 Amex limit down to 45000 because we've had a couple people not pay. And we got to cut our exposure for legal reasons, but also financial regulations. But Capital One's raising credit limits. That tells me that the issuer could be positioning itself for growth as the pandemic subsides and consumers begin spending more. I don't know about you, but my credit card is, has not been, uh, I pay it off, I pay off my balance, so I never have to carry an interest rate charge or get hit with one. But I've been pretty consistently spending money through this pandemic. doesn't feel like I'm saving. But Capital One's a big one. They're starting to raise credit limits. Their decision to begin boosting some credit limits says pandemic recovery all over it. They see it, they believe it, and they believe their customers want to spend. In the second quarter of 2020, the COVID year, they cut your credit card limit by 16%. Not yours, but that was the general idea. Warren Buffett was in the news yesterday. He's talking. One of the things he talked about, and he gave in his annual letter to Berkshire Hathaway investors, which is a fantastic document. If you want to get bored with the internet today and go down the rabbit hole of where does this search lead you, type in Warren Buffett annual letter to Berkshire Hathaway and start reading some of the stuff he writes. I find it to be priceless. I find it to be gold. Now, one of the things he's talking about inside the letter is that fixed income investors worldwide, whether they be pension funds, insurance companies, or just retirees, face a bleak future due to the low interest rate environment that we are stuck in. Now, we are breaking out of super low, but we are still in very low. Until that 10-year treasury gets to 3 3.5%, it's tough to say, oh, I can live off X amount of my income in safety. The bond market is ailing. Economies are gaining momentum. In certain foreign countries, including Germany and Japan, fixed income investors are earning a negative rate of return. That's not good. So whether you're... The implication to me is when bonds don't work, is that stocks may be the best mechanism. So some elderly, some governments, some pension funds, whose job, all three of them are to keep it relatively safe. Elderly have run out of time to let the stock market recover if they make a bad pick. Bonds are supposed to take care of that problem for them. Same thing with sovereign governments, same thing with pensions. But Buffett's right. Interest rates are too low for that three category, those three categories. And it, it makes them look at stocks and stocks are more risky and more volatile than bonds. So I always get a little bit cringy. I always get a little bit cringy when it turns into situations where we start analyzing um, what a senior can do. 
and not do. When I first got in this industry, you can go to your bank, buy a CD, get three and a half, four percent. And CFP Chad Burton and myself would talk about laddering income investments in retirement. You can't really ladder one percent. It's very, very difficult. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Elsewhere in the world of business finance, Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic took an equity stake in a sports drink company called BioSteel. Joining NFL star Patrick Mahomes on their roster. I remember Body Armor had names like Kobe Bryant and Buster Posey tied towards it. Now we're into BioSteel, which please somebody tell me if it's good or not. Never had it. I'm not into trying new things. I know it's kind of a cardboard recyclable box thing. <clears throat> but why get into this industry? Uh, canopy growth purchased a majority stake in BioSteel. Wait, wait, canopy growth. How are they marijuana? Everyone wants to get into the U.S. market, get more retail shelf space. How will they pull that off? Partnerships with PepsiCo or Coca-Cola. It's a $32 billion market. Anyhow, big old stupid athletes. Again, I'm not calling him stupid. He can beat me up. But it's interesting how they play in the world of money. No. Find me at chadburton.com. 